Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Slasher Scotty. I am your host, Scotty McCoy, and boy, do I have a surprise for all of you. I have on Zoom with me right now Jessica Hotman, and she played Tina Shepard from the year of 1989 in Roseblood, a Friday the 13th fan film. Hey, Jessica, how are you doing? Hey, I'm doing well. How about yourself? I'm doing great. I'm so glad to have you on. I previously had... um, I butcher his name all the time he played duke I, i'll just say q you don't want to call him he q worked. he worked. yep yep <laughs> i had him on uh, i believe it was last week if i'm not mistaken and i had peter anthony who directed and played uh, general brack bauer in the movie i had him on and of course i had lar park lincoln on as well to discuss it and i had terry kaiser but had him before the whole roseblood thing came about but <laughs> now i finally have you on um you had a very important and intricate part of the film and i'm sure it wasn't as easy because you're already playing an iconic character that is very very true (laughs) (laughs) so the first question i got for you is how did you get your start into acting yeah um i'm pretty new i'm pretty green in the world of acting um i did some acting very casually as a kid i'm from nebraska originally so Mm -hmm. just did some small musicals and plays and that sort of a thing Uh, But I really didn't pursue acting seriously until like right before COVID and the pandemic hit. Mm -hmm. So I moved out to the East Coast. I'm like right outside of New York City. Mm -hmm. And I mainly was doing music, but I wanted to also dabble in acting. So I started taking the train into the city, getting on set, getting on productions. Uh, But Roseblood is really my first major role where I've had to Mm -hmm. learn lines and a full character (laughs) and dive in and so it was a bit intimidating because <laughs> it wasn't just me playing the role the way I wanted to I also had to pay respect to what had already been done yeah. and Lars just an amazing actress and so yeah it was pretty much yeah. a deep dive in right so did you happen to um did you happen to watch Friday the 13th part 7 before doing the film I did right after I got the part um it's funny I like wasn't really allowed to watch a lot of horror movies growing up Mm -hmm. so I started dabbling into the horror film world later in life Mm -hmm. and uh my boyfriend's a VHS collector so he was just kind of having me go through all the basics Mm -hmm. and um this was one that I had not seen so Mm -hmm. when I got the call and I officially got the role for Roseblood I was like okay I have to go and watch this film and study it and yeah. I loved it. I just, I love yeah. 80s horror. There's something mm-hmm. about that time period. You mm-hmm. have practical effects. You have just, I don't know, it's, it's a lot of fun. And the way that things were filmed has a special yeah. quality to it. So yeah. what a great film. What a great thing Absolutely. To be Absolutely. And I know uh, John Carl Buechler uh, was very upset with how his special mm-hmm. effects in that film was really butchered down, which is really sad because if you watch the uncut versions, they have like very grainy versions of it on YouTube and mm-hmm. it's so, they were so good and they could have, yeah. if they just kept that in, it would have been amazing. Um, I, <laughs> yeah. And I saw actually my first ever horror movie um, was Friday the 13th part seven. Um, it <laughs> wow. has, a, it's always been uh, nostalgic in my heart. Like just, it's always got this special place there. Cause it's the first movie that got me into horror. And yeah. uh, I remember watching it and I, I, what got me into wanting to see that regardless of what it was, was because of the box art on the VHS tape back. And I got it 
probably mid nineties. Cause I was like six or seven years old at the time. <laughs> and it's funny cause uh, I'm friends with Laura. And uh, when I first told her about, um, about um, me watching the movie at six years old, she's like, Scotty, how could you watch that at six years old? I would no. never <laughs> let my kids watch it that young. <laughs> I'm like, Laura's like know. my parents. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> like, no, we're not going there. Yep. But yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. So how did you happen to land the role of Tina in Roseblood? Yeah. So I was trying to get, you know, into the world of acting, like I said. Mm-hmm. So I was using casting apps and I still use them. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was kind of right after the holiday season. And I went on to one of my casting apps and saw that mm-hmm. they had a featured role. Uh, reprising the character of Tina Shepard and um, I guess it would have been Peter had attached a picture of Lar from the 80s mm-hmm. and I clicked on it and I was like hmm you know my hair is obviously much darker this is my kind of natural color here and it was completely dark but I looked at her eyes and I was like you know I feel like there's something similar in our eyes and, mm-hmm. and I feel like I have a chance at this and so I sent in an audition tape and I didn't even have any fancy lighting or anything like that. I just sent the audition in. And I think like a day later, Peter got back to me and was like, hey, we really like you for this role. Um, would you be willing to cut your hair? Or not, sorry, dye your hair, possibly cut your hair. We weren't sure. And I said, yes. And then he's like, great, let's jump on a Zoom call. So we jumped onto a Zoom call and I had better lighting. And when he saw my eyes, he's like, oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> Nice, nice, nice. Yeah, and when I first saw that this movie's coming out, I mean, I obviously told Peter this part that with Terry Kaiser bringing back Doctor Cruz, that 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 kind of scared me because I'm thinking I'm hoping they didn't retcon his death. Like I was hoping that they that they kept it true to his like that he was still dead. The way they did it was brilliantly. And the other reservation I had was doing the major flashback scenes, like having you know somebody portray tina lar is it's going to be a big step and you need the right person for that role like you can't just hire any tom dick and harry to do this part like you have to have the right person that can do the the movements the facial expressions can portray tina but also portray her at a very emotional state because she's already traumatized and i'm gonna say you were the perfect perfect tina thank you that means so much to me that's all i can ask for and i you know I know the reviews are in some people don't feel that way. Some people mm-hmm. do. Yeah. And that, just, that means a lot. The people that yeah. connect and see it yeah. that way. Um, yeah. And I think the cool thing with this film is it was all so fast. Like I got mm-hmm. the role. I flew out to Seattle like two weeks later. Mm-hmm. We filmed it in eight days. So mm-hmm. it was just cool that Peter really had a vision. Mm-hmm. And once all the pieces were there, it just kind of it flowed yeah. and yeah uh, and and that's the thing with with reviews you're going to get a lot of bad reviews no matter who you no matter what movie you do you're going to get the bad and you're going to get the good when you're playing a character like a tina shepherd you're going to get people that are die hard friday the 13th and lar park lincoln fans and if anybody tries to do a part that she did even if it's you know a flashback scene and a year later like they're gonna get on you and they're gonna that's just the way it is and i'm sure q might feel the same way they might have people going after him because he played creighton duke from jason goes to hell so like you're gonna get that and unfortunately that's the way it is but i mean i thought personally you did a great job and i mean you had big shoes to fill and you filled it (laughs) well thank you that really means a lot and you know I was kind of nervous about that aspect Mm -hmm. of it just coming into something where the precedent had been set yeah Uh, but I talked to Jason Brooks on set Mm -hmm. who played Jason yeah and he said hey 
I'm in the same boat. Every little movement I do is like yep. under magnifying glass and, yep. and we just kind of encouraged each other. And, and he gave mm. me some good advice there yep. to just, you know, be myself yep. um, and to do the best I can, but to also bring a little bit of me Absolutely. into the role. And um, yeah, it was a lot of fun. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. And he, he, like you said, Jason Brooks is playing Jason. It's not like he's just playing a random Jason in a right. fan film. He's playing Kane Hodder's version of Jason. That's really big shoes to fill. You have to really nail down Kane Hodder's <laughs> version of Jason. Huge and actually mentally huge too. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So the big question in the room here is how did you make your version of Tina Shepard different from the version everyone knows from part seven played by Lara Park Lincoln? Yeah. Um, I mean, I tried to really stay as true to the character as I could. Um, but I really didn't force, I don't know. I didn't really force it. I tried to right. study it a lot and then sort of let that go and just let myself react how I would, but also how Tina would. So yeah. there's kind of this melding of, of me and of her and trying to find that middle ground. Yeah. And uh, Lar gave me some really good advice that, you know, Tina tells the story through her yeah. eyes. Yeah. So a lot of it is right here. A lot of the, yeah. the character and the emotion. So I just tried to picture myself like I was her and then just mm -hmm. kind of let it come out, like, especially right, right here. Yeah, so, absolutely. Yeah. And absolutely. And it's not like you're playing part seven's Tina. You're, you're portraying a Tina that is traumatized now. Like she, she went through, her mother was killed, you know, her, her doctor was killed. All these people, she, all these people are killed and, you know, like she dealt with fighting Jason and now this is the aftermath a year later. So this is what's happening. So yeah, you're, you're dealing with a lot of trauma and you have to portray the character of Tina, but also a traumatic traumatized version of her. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. I was like super emotional through, you know, trying to become the character and then even right. being on set. And when I left, I just realized, oh, I don't have to be this way anymore. <laughs> but mm -hmm. it was hard to kind of come off of that. Right. And I actually had another role that I was preparing for. But thankfully, that was another role where I'm very emotional. So I kind yeah. of let some of that drift in. <laughs> nice. uh, but it was like coming down from a high a little bit. Nice. Um, yeah. Right. So was there any specific type of preparations you did to make your version of Tina work? Like I know, for example, when I interviewed Laura Park Lincoln, she met with, you know, I guess psychics or people yeah. that dealt with telekinesis so she can kind of understand how to, you know, do the movements with her body and her eyes and her face and all that. Like, did you do anything like that to prepare or what did you do to prepare? Yeah, I did a lot of different things. So obviously I ran the lines a bunch. Um, my boyfriend was great. He read to me so I could learn as much right. as possible before yeah. flying out to Seattle. I watched the film. I tried to study um, Lar and just her, her movements mm -hmm. and her emotion and yeah. um, all of that. And then I would do my lines in front of either a mirror or I'd record myself on my phone and then mm -hmm. just kind of watch it back and see like... Yeah where I needed to improve or change things. Mm -hmm. um, and then I also just thought about other characters that to me had a similar emotionalness to them. So like one of the characters that I was sort of using on the periphery was uh, Winona Ryder in Stranger Things, how she's okay. kind of very frantic and she's yeah. very motherly towards mm -hmm. her kid. And that's kind of how I had to be with Rose. She was like my mm -hmm. sister, but I was almost like a an right. older figure for her. And mm -hmm. so it's kind of tying in a lot of things. But then, like I said, once I got onto set, I really tried to just sort of let that go and 
be in the moment. And that was pretty much my preparation. (laughs) Nice. And I know with Friday the 13th part seven, um, that was kind of based off of Jason versus Carrie where Tina was Carrie. So did you happen to dive into any Stephen King's version of Carrie, either the reboot or the 19, I guess, seventies or eighties version of it? Yeah. Well, I had actually just like before getting the role had just watched Carrie Mm-hmm. And it's funny that that tie-in was there because when I was watching part seven for the first time, I was thinking to myself, this really reminds me of Carrie. And then another preparation I did was just reading a lot about the film and that sort mm-hmm. of a thing. And I read that that was a tie-in mm-hmm. yep. and was like, okay, cool. Nice. I'll just use that film that I just watched and try to like bring that yeah. in as well. And yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, exactly. Um, so <laughs> You said you spoke to Laura Park Lincoln. I guess she and she kind of helped you, you know, mention, mentioning the eyes and everything. Have you happened to uh, meet her at all on set? And if so, how was it? How was the experience like? Yeah, seeing her on set was so cool. So we had mm-hmm. had a few FaceTimes and that sort of a mm-hmm. thing beforehand. And she really also helped me. Another preparation piece was just she told me to always find, you know, sort of the story arc within each scene and Mm -hmm. finding the reason behind the character. So that was really helpful. She gave me just a ton of pointers, just even being a female in the business of acting. Um, So we kind of started to build a bond. And then when I got onto set my very first day, uh, I was doing my scene where it's Dr. Sykes and I, Mm -hmm. and that was kind of the whole first half of the day. So Mm -hmm. partway through, I catch wind that Lars is going to be there. She's nice. coming to set. No one really knew exactly when she was going to arrive. Mm-hmm. And um, I was in the room at one point and I did a scene and I'm like, oh, that I think that felt good. And we're like, all right, we're moving on. And then Peter comes in and said, hey, Lars actually here. She wants to meet you. So I came nice. out of the room and she just came up and gave me a huge hug nice. and said, wow, this looks fabulous. You're doing great. It looks so awesome. <laughs> and was just very kind. And that was super cool. And then the next day I got to come back to set for a little bit to see her and Terry Kaiser doing their scene. Nice. And that was like goosebumps, chills. I was in the other room and I could just hear them doing the scene and then I would kind of come out and watch the little monitor and all of us are just standing there like oh my gosh this is so cool (laughs) Um, and it just I think seeing the two of them together really just brought the level of everything up like it just everybody was psyched it was like all right this is happening (laughs) absolutely and Terry Kaiser brilliant actor just I mean, you've got to be a good actor if you're actually doing pretty much an entire movie as a dead guy. Just to make a movie. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Great, great guy. Um, And obviously, this movie wouldn't have been done without Peter Anthony. I mean, director, writer, obviously General Brackbauer in the film, um, producer, uh, among many other talents and trades for this film. Yeah. Like without him, there wouldn't be no uh, Roseblood. So how, how was he as a director and what was it like, you know, working with him? Yeah, Peter is just, he's awesome. He's the type of person that you need on a film set to make everything happen. And like you said, he's multi-talented. He was doing Mm -hmm. so much. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't even know how he slept through the whole thing because he (laughs) had written this whole script. He brought everyone in. He was directing. He was doing stuff with the set design. He was just Mm -hmm. making sure every little detail 
was there. All the Easter eggs were him. And so just he's such a passionate person. And that really came out on set. It really was a family environment. And he's just feisty. He's a fireball. He keeps everyone motivated. We had some really, really long days where we filmed for 20 hours plus. And he just had everyone go in and energy was strong. So uh, not saying about him absolutely and 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 any like usually any like most acting sets like when you're on set and everything you could film pretty much up to 16 hours but those are on like you know couple month shoots you only had eight days like you filmed this movie in eight days and 20 plus hours that's intense yeah and after multiple days of filming and like the Mm -hmm. film crew they would stay up and watch dailies so they were just all kinds of sort of crazy and disoriented at the end of it but i yeah. think that, that was a good thing it brought a certain yeah. craziness to the end of the yeah. film even and then when you see the final product and the movie put together and everything it's like we made this movie all those hours yeah. all the preparation all the studying all the memorization everything that we did to make this movie got made and got done and it was a success i enjoyed it well thank you yeah it's super cool to see it all put together i didn't see yeah. Well, I saw, you know, obviously the trailers, but right. I didn't get to see the film until we had the physical premiere. And, yes. um, you know, it was a convention ahead of time. And yeah. then the film was the last part of it. So I'm talking mm-hmm. with people, we're chatting, we're talking about the role. And all of a sudden we're watching the film at the end. And I'm thinking mm-hmm. to myself, I haven't even seen this yet. <laughs> I have no right. idea what to expect. And mm-hmm. it was just so cool and surreal yeah. that, like we said, in eight days, this yeah. all came together. Absolutely. And it's funny because I was in DC um, with my boyfriend. We were, uh, we were in vacationing and all that. And yeah. it was the day we were going to leave and it was like a blizzard and um, we were already packed up and everything. And I'm, I'm like, well, we have about an hour till we got to get the Uber back to the train station. So I'm going to just, uh, I'm just going to, you know, I'm going to put a fan film on. I'm like, you know what? I want to watch Rosebud. I didn't see that in a while. So I watched the first half of it. And uh, I set up an interview with Peter Anthony, I believe, for the next day, too. Um, and I, so I watched the first half of it, and then we had to leave. So I'm like, okay, well, I, I had like half an hour left or whatever to watch. And I'm like, well, I'll watch it when I when I get back home. And I we got to the train station. Our train was delayed for about three hours, and it still didn't arrive. There was like a tree on the tracks or whatever. Oh, <laughs> yeah, it was crazy. <laughs> and I ended up paying like another Uber to go from D.C. back to Maryland. It was like over $100. It was crazy. And I'm like, I yeah. can't wait to get home. I want to see the rest of this movie already. And yeah. I finally got to watch the end of it. And I finally messaged Peter back. I'm like, I finally got to see the end of it. And he's like, what'd you think? I'm like, awesome. It was great. It was really good. And I'm so glad that you guys had the proper premiere. Cause we know with COVID going around and everything, I'm glad you guys got to get this film made. You got to do the premiere. Cause I know you even mentioned that you just got into acting right before COVID and what a horrible time to get in when everything's shutting know, down. Right? Like I move out to the East Coast, I'm like diving into this whole thing and then COVID hits and it's like, maybe I'm not supposed to do this. Maybe this is a sign, but I'm glad that it uh, pressed on and and it happened. (laughs) I'm I'm really glad too, because I know it, it, I mean, a lot of stuff got delayed and I'm glad that, you know, you know, productions, especially for this movie and others that they got, they were able to get back on their feet and they were able to get done and made because a lot of productions didn't make, make movies because they never got back to that balance. Yeah, there was yeah. stuff that I did that I don't know if it'll ever ever come yeah. out because it just was mm-hmm. halfway through and then COVID hit and then yeah. the funds went away or yep. people changed. 
Yeah. So yeah, we're really yeah. lucky that it all yeah. happened. Absolutely. So what was the most challenging part in bringing your version of Tina alive? <sighs> the most challenging part. Um, I would just say, you know, Tina's a very intense character. She mm-hmm. has so much emotion in her. She has yeah. a lot of baggage in her life. And it was hard to have varying levels of intensity. So it's like, you can't just be 100% and then 0%. Mm -hmm. There has to be all these levels and she has to build and then kind Mm -hmm. of come back down and then build. Mm -hmm. And filming out of order, which is how most things are filmed, Mm -hmm. you might be starting at a point where you're here and then having to backtrack and have less intensity and then go all the way up and then come back down. So just knowing the level of intensity yeah. And keeping it interesting, I think was mm-hmm. the most challenging part. Yeah. And I don't know if you're a method actor or not, but I know if you're a method actor and you're doing this role, that must be very emotionally draining. <laughs> Honestly, it's like, I don't even know if I'm a method actor, but I felt, I feel like I was a method actor in right. some way because I was so tired. I had a migraine the day we left Ooh, because yeah. I just, I had cried, I had screamed, I had been, yeah. you know, fighting with people. Yeah. So, but yeah, it, it was method whether not I wanted it to be. <laughs> right, and it showed that, and you actually made it, like, you, um, you, you, having that migraine, it, like, showed that what you did worked, like, you did what you needed to do for the scene, because, obviously, if it, with that, and you know, getting the migraine, it shows that I did the emotional part of it, I did the crying, I did the screaming, and it all paid off, granted, yeah. with the migraine, but it, it shows yeah. that I did my, I did my job, and that's what you, yeah. that's a, that's like a kudos, you know? <laughs> That's like my body saying, yep, you were. You did it. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So when you saw the original version of the script, like what were your initial thoughts on it? Yeah. Um, like I said, it was such a whirlwind, but I was so impressed because I, before I even read the script, I watched part seven and then freshly with that in my mind, read the entire script mm-hmm. and just seeing all of the connections that Peter had put into the script was so cool. And something I really appreciated about it, and I know that this is a big criticism of it, is Jason doesn't come until the end, like the very final thing. But I think that that was so smart and so different. And I love that there's the buildup and you're just, Mm -hmm. you know, you're waiting for it. You almost forget that it's coming Mm -hmm. and then it happens. I thought that was really something innovative in the script. So Peter did a great job with it. Absolutely. And any fan, I could speak this from a fan's point of view, any fan that watches it, sees all the Easter eggs, just like right from the beginning, seeing Lar Park Lincoln there and having hotter, you know, hospital or whatever it was like, yeah. you know, hotter, Kane hotter. And, you know, then having the wall of Jason where is there's the tree trimming saw he killed Dr. Cruz with and the brush hook he killed Amanda Shepard with and, yeah. you know, the ax that he killed Melissa with, like he had all, all the instruments there too. It's like, these are, everything that he pretty much used on top of other elements and then to throw in rose who was a totally out you know different character she's not in friday the 13th and then the fact that michael Myers shows up which is pretty brilliant because the evil the evil child that they mentioned of being rose really is the manifestation or the embodiment of evil of aka the evil one himself michael myers yeah 
it's um it's so cool how it all ties in and yeah you know with the michael thing it's funny because a lot of us didn't have that epiphany until Mm -hmm. we did the scene with the knife coming through the door which was a very fun scene to film it was a little scary because i was worried the knife was actually gonna hit me in the face um (laughs) but it was during that filming that a lot of us realized oh the knife oh ah and it was like it all just yeah. even came together mentally there. So yeah, I love that Peter put, you know, some easy to grab Easter eggs yeah. and then some things that are really, you know, yeah. even further down deeper. There's yeah. just so much yeah. worked into the film. Absolutely. It, it really, it really paid off. And, and like, even with Creighton Duke, he has Creighton Duke and you like, you're thinking, why is Creighton Duke here? But then at the end, he's locked in that room or whatever. And he sees Julian get killed and he's like, I'm going to get you, Jason. I'm going to get you. You, you, you won't, I won't forget you or whatever. And it ties into why he's hunting down Jason and Jason goes to hell, which they never really established in that film to begin with. So wow. it tied that loose end together and it was beautifully done, brilliantly written. It really was. <laughs> so more generically, um, this is a yeah. question I ask pretty much all of my uh, guests because I like to get their insights. Everybody's insights are a lot different and I like hearing, hearing the different stories about it. But what was the best part about filming Roseblood and what was the worst? <sighs> the best part about filming Roseblood was the fact that every person, you know, I've worked on a lot of these major sets, you know, been mm-hmm. on things for Netflix or Amazon or just, you know, these bigger productions. And granted, I was not a main role in them. So I felt more like an outsider. Everybody's kind of separate and it all comes together, but everybody's kind of doing their own thing Mm -hmm. with Roseblood. It's like every person there was part of this family and was so passionate. And Mm -hmm. so many of the people there are just true fans Mm -hmm. of Friday the 13th franchise. So the excitement the whole time was my favorite part. Every kill, people are screaming, we're laughing, we're looking back, we're taking pictures. Mm -hmm. It was just like, it was so cool to be in the moment of all of it. Um, The excitement was really my favorite part and just Mm -hmm. the family aspect. Um, Trying to think of like my least favorite (laughs) or like, I was very, I was very tired by the end of it, which I mentioned. Um, I think maybe my least favorite part was that because I was kind of trying to stay in character when I was Mm -hmm. on set, it's like, I couldn't let myself get too excited or too out of it. I sort of had to be, you know, mentally drained Mm -hmm. to get myself to a point. And (laughs) I almost wish that like I could have done that and then we could just do it all again. And I could just be a mouse in the corner and just hanging out and (laughs) not have to be mentally drained the whole time. Um, So yeah, I don't know if that makes sense. It makes sense. Yeah, it does. Um, So the last question I have for you um, regarding the film itself, and then I have one more after that um, is um, so you mentioned, obviously you met Laura Park Lincoln and you were on set with her and Terry Kaiser. Now, have you met Terry Kaiser and did you happen to meet Kevin Spiritus? I have met both of them. And um, I talked to Terry when we were on set and it's cool because he went to high school in Mm -hmm. Omaha, Nebraska, which is where I'm from originally. So we chatted about that briefly. And then I saw him again at the premiere and we had a nice Nice. conversation. And then I also got to meet Kevin at the premiere and we also had a very nice conversation. So Mm -hmm. 
Now I have I, met them all, which is really cool. <laughs> that is awesome. I know uh, I, I'm a big Days of Our Lives fan, and uh, oh, yeah. and uh, Kevin uh, plays obviously Chloe's dad, uh, Craig Wesley, in that, and he's mm-hmm. actually coming back. I think he's on. I don't know if he's on today's episode, but I think he returns this week. Really? But that's really oh, exciting. Cool. I'm really excited yeah. to see him uh, come back on the screen because he hasn't been on Days for a number of years, so yeah. it's going to be exciting to see him. Yeah, yeah, making all kinds of returns. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> so the last question I do have for you, um, do you have any projects or anything at all, social media, websites, music, anything at all that you would like to promote to the listening and viewing audience? Yeah, well, I'll start with my band that I plan. So mm-hmm. um, if you watch the film, the song that comes in at the end credits mm-hmm. is actually from my band Giveth. And um, it's my boyfriend and I, and we have some bandmates that play with us. Um, But our band is called Giveth, G-I-V-E-T-H. And it's a dark industrial cinematic group. And we put out an album in 2021 in October. And we have more music coming out this year and a bunch of videos. And also uh, we're flying to Seattle next month with Mm -hmm. a bunch of the film crew from Roseblood to film a music video. Nice. Blood. So that's super cool um, and exciting. And if you purchase one of the Blu-ray DVDs, you can actually get exclusive access to the New Blood music video. So nice. that's all going down. Uh, we are on social media. It's just at Giveth Music and we're on Spotify and Apple Music and nice. all of that. Um, and then I do have another short film coming out yeah. called Stranger in the Room. And mm-hmm. I have not seen that yet, but I know it's running the some of the festival circuits right now and hopefully will be available soon. Nice. But if you just follow my social media, Just Hotman or Jay Hotman, I usually yeah. post about projects that I'm working on. That awesome. kind of thing. So awesome. what I got. So who who all is gonna be in the music video if you're allowed, I don't know if you're allowed to say or not. I don't know if I could say everything, but there's going to be some surprises. That's all I can really say right now. Um, (laughs) Awesome. I I always watch end credits. I like watching end credits because sometimes you get the specific, you know, end credits special, you know, from the movie that's not in the movie. And there was with Roseblood, so I was glad I didn't watch it. Um, And uh, and uh, I did see your uh, your name there for the song. And I obviously listened to the song and I really enjoyed the song. I thought it was great. So um, I I definitely look forward to seeing this uh, music video as well. And uh, I wish you all the best, all the best of luck in your acting career, music career. Um, I I mean, you have a promising career. I can definitely see, you know, you doing big things. And I'm looking forward to following your career and seeing how well it goes for you. Well, thank you so much. And thanks for having me and Absolutely. chatting about Roseblood. This was great. <laughs> Absolutely. Thank you so much. And you have a great rest of your night. Yes, you too. Right. Thank Talk you. Later. Bye. Bye.